Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast. My name is Jake Barry at Barry's underscore baseball on Twitter. We're doing something a little bit different for episode 15 of Futures Focus. I'm without my normal co-host today, the president of Prospects1500.com, Scott Green, at Scotty Ballgame. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm flying solo. We're doing something a little bit different for you guys, like I said. We're going to dive into MLB draft coverage for the first time on Futures Focus. And I couldn't think of a better guest to have for us today, our resident draft expert over at Prospects 1500, James Weiser. James, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we're not going to waste any time here. We know that there's a lot going on in the baseball world. We're going to keep things positive today. We're going to talk about some promising up-and-coming talent, looking towards the future a little bit. After all, this is Futures Focus. So um, before we dive into the draft itself, I always like to ask our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves, how they got started in the game, and, and in particular for you, James, your interest in the draft. Okay, so kind of what got me first interested in prospects was watching the Florida Marlins back in 2003, you know, living in Illinois at the time the Cubs were one game away from the World Series. And at the time you're watching, you know, a Marlins team go on and beat the Cubs, and then they later beat the Yankees. And it was really surprising to see how they were able to do it. You know, they took a manager, Jack McKeon, out of retirement. He was wanted at age 72 with rookies like Dontrell Willis and Miguel Cabrera and a up-and-coming star in Josh Beckett. And so to see how they were able to win that style with the farm system had me, you know, had a it instilled a passion in me to want to see who the next up-and-coming franchise-changing type of players were that are in the minors. And that's what really got me hooked. Um, one of the things that got me interested in following the draft more was just again, wanting to see who the next up-and-coming stars are. And so one of the things that I've been fortunate to have a chance to do is we get the Under Armour All-Americans that come through Chicago every summer. So the first year that they had that was 2008, but the first time I ever attended was 2011, and it was really cool. I got a chance to meet Jim Callis at the time, and me and Jim have been, you know, close ever since, you know, just – somebody I can ask bounce questions off of and he's really what got helped get me started and it was just me to have known him for about eight plus years and uh finally decided to say hey you know I think I can want to instill my passion in towards prospects and go out there and write about it and he really you know helped me help instill the confidence in me to you know to do that and so I appreciate his time and everything that he's been able to do you know as far as mentoring me and helping me along the way you know if you guys think he's a great writer he's an even greater person and one of the nicest guys in the in this business so it's a pleasure to be able to talk to him yeah absolutely i always enjoy hearing the background and and hearing what really got people started in the game here um for those of you that don't know james has been a, a valuable addition to our team over at prospects 1500 given some given us something that we haven't really had before uh, with the the prep players and, and the draft classes and things like that. So, you know, he's also a big fantasy baseball player, too. And, James, before we get into things here, I know when you're looking at the MLB draft, you have to anticipate the way that certain teams are going to draft for their clubs, right? But when you're ranking your players, 
Do you ever try and catch yourself, or do you have to keep yourself from taking a fantasy look at it? Because I know you're a fantasy baseball player as well. I, I try to just focus, when it comes to draft, mainly on what a team might need or what a team might be interested in, you know, depending on depth and things like that. But as far as the uh, fantasy side, you know, that's more once you start getting into the uh, dynasty breakdowns and things like that. Yeah, so it's pretty easy for you to separate those two. I think that's good and beneficial. You know, it's it's easy for us to fall in love with players with loud tools, and we'll talk about those guys a little bit later. But, you know, you, you have to kind of adapt your thinking to the way the team's going to think. So um, one, one last question for you before we actually dive into the prospects. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about uh, some changes to the draft this year, some drastic changes to the draft this year. Um, and for some of our readers and listeners who might not follow the draft as it's happening, just look to those players in their first-year player drafts for fantasy. Can you kind of tell us some of the changes and some of the differences for 2020? Oh, yeah. You know, this is one year where everything, you know, we never thought we'd be in this situation. You know, in our lifetime as a country, I think this is the first time ever that we haven't had any baseball being played in the spring. You know, almost all the teams, both amateur and professionally, start playing back in March. And, you know, one of the interesting things is the top high school pitcher, in fact, this year hasn't even thrown a pitch, you know. Um, so, but he could be the first guy taken So for high school pitchers. So I think that's really interesting. Um, but I think the biggest thing is with everything that's going on in the world and the draft, it's kind of hard to say what are we going to expect you know i think one of the biggest things is comes down to signability and one of the interesting things when they moved it from 40 rounds which is what it's been for a long time now to five rounds you have a thousand players that typically get drafted that aren't going to be drafted this year so signability is one of the biggest factors you know looking at that and the other thing is when their teams are drafting, you know, later on as it go, the later it gets, you want to be able to have guys you can sign, right? So I think some of the guys who have more leverage as far as signability, like high schoolers and maybe some draft eligible sophomores, could use this draft as a way to say, hey, it helps get my name out there and I have a chance to make more money down the road if I don't sign. So I think teams are really going to be targeting more college players this year. Than, you, than ever before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And it's definitely going to be a, a unique situation. I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. So let's dive into some players here. I know you've got a top 160 list in the works, so I don't want to – I'm going to try and get a lot of information out of you, James, but I know you don't want to give it all up, so I won't put too much pressure on you. Um, I was hoping that to, to start off, I'm going to put the ball in your court. Tell us uh, kind of what the cream of the crop this year, and I want to – uh, start this question out by asking, is Spencer Torkelson the consensus number one? To me, I, I think he is. I think that if there's anybody who might even challenge him, it would be just a different, uh, maybe a different preference, you know, as opposed to, let's say, a team typically would, would take the top hitter or the top player. You know, maybe that team that's picking first might prefer a pitcher, you know, so... He should be the number one, but again, in this year, anything can happen. So Torkelson, in my mind, is the legit number one. If there's ever been a time for a right, right first baseman to go first, it's now, and Torkelson should be that guy. 
Awesome. So now I just want to kind of, you know, you can take it with the top five, top 10. I know you had some guys that you really wanted to mention. I want to ask you about sleepers in just a minute. So maybe um, kind of touch on the guys that where you have them ranked kind of falls in line with the industry. And then I'll ask you about some guys that you might be a little higher on, lower on, et cetera. Okay. So one of the guys that I'm really high on is Asa Lacey. I mean, he was fun to watch last year, and he came back this year and looked even better and just has a good mentality out on the mound. You know, workhorse just wants it. You can tell he's an ultra competitor. And, I, I mean, that's one of the things that I always look at, you know, always is how competitive are you, how much do you want it, and how much are you willing to put the work in. And when you see things like that, those are the guys who make it. You know, talent can get you so far. But if you have the drive and that work ethic and you just want it more than anybody else, you can take that to a whole other level. I've seen it multiple times. So is it is it pretty clear for you that Lacey's the best pitcher in the class, or is there anybody that can kind of step up above him? I think Lacey's the Lacey's gonna be easily the number one pitcher taken this year. I don't I don't think that there's any, you know, any other player that could maybe come into that mix and chase him for it, but you know, another guy who I'd say is not that far from where he is is Emerson Hancock. You know, he's a guy where he's got three-plus pitches, but a chance to have four even with above-average control. You know, he's got a good feel for everything he's doing. He's he got to hit a little bit more than what maybe would have liked for the guy who's a number one, but I think he's a real close number two. But it's Asa for sure in my book as number one. Emerson Hancock is a close second. And this was, for somebody who's located in Georgia, based out of Georgia, this was the worst time for, for college baseball to be canceled because that Georgia rotation, man, I was looking forward to spending some weekends over in Athens and watching that Georgia rotation. But, you know, like I said, we aren't going to harp on the past now. We're looking towards the future. Okay, give me, give me another guy or two uh, in, your, in your top ten that you really like. Oh, I, I, I like, uh, you know, everybody I think likes Zach Veen. But a guy who I think people, you know, I don't know why they're sleeping on him other than he's from a colder weather state in Pennsylvania. But I, I loved Austin Hendrick. Really what I saw from him at Under Armour, you know, they had Veen out there, P. Crow Armstrong, Robert Hassel, Ed Howard, a lot of the top names. But Austin Hendrick really sold the show, you know, with his BP there at Under Armour. It was Something where, you know, you hear certain scouts saying, oh, he might be like a Bryce Harper type guy. You know, I think that some teams or some rankings that are in the industry have him outside the top 10. But I think he's easily is a guy who should warrant a top 10 consideration and a chance to, you know, obviously be a star down the road. Yeah. Do you have how much do you factor in, you know, the high school guy from the cold weather state and things like that? Are you able to just kind of see through that and identify the talent or do you kind of have like, uh, I don't know, you, you factor in it, you know, X percentage or, you know, things like that? I, I try to see through it just because, you know, most teams, they start baseball, you know, most of the time the season starts in April. So it's cold weather, you know, up north and northeast and throughout the country it's cold in April and, you know, especially when they start playing games in October. So if a guy can hit in the cold, you know, I think that that's something where that's a bonus because you don't know what certain guys from warm weather States can do in the cold. You know, once it's warm weather, it's a level playing ground for everybody. And so when you get a chance to see the top guys go at it, that's really where everything gets weeded out. And 
you're like, hey, okay, this guy may be from a cold weather state, but he's just as good as the guy from a warm weather state. But I think that that's some, a factor that people may might not factor in all the time is just, hey, this guy can actually hit in the cold. You know, when you go to the World Series and try to win, you want that guy who you know can hit in the cold. Yeah, absolutely. And and I got to ask you about one more guy who's who's been really, I guess, linked in the top five, really, really, you know, since we started this uh, entire 2020 draft process. Uh, and that's Nick Gonzalez. You know, I think uh, outside of Hancock and obviously Torkelson and those guys, he's one of the guys that's been most talked about. But I, I didn't ever see really mocks having him go number one. What What's the most likely landing spot for Nick Gonzalez, you think? I, I would, I think... A lot of people would like to see Nick Gonzalez go to Seattle and be kind of a table setter for some of the guys who are up and coming, like Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kalenic. But I, I could see him going top five. Um, there's been talk of him going to the Royals at four. So, you know, anywhere from four to probably six. I'd say he's definitely a top ten, borderline top five. But, yeah, he's a good – he's a real good hitter. I think that he's not too far off from even Austin Martin, who people were considering as a 1-1. But I think mm-hmm. they just have different things. Like, Martin's a better fielder, and he's obviously got the SEC credentials of having led them in both on base and batting average last year and having won a College World Series. So he hasn't done anything to hurt his numbers. But I think that it's closer than maybe it looks on, like, when you look at a board and you say, oh, Gonzalez is only fifth in – Austin Martin's either one or two. Well, I think it's a little bit closer because they both have the chance to play infield and be very good hitters. Gonzalez, Rodriguez, and Kellenic, man, that is music to my ears right there. That's something I'm going to be hoping for on draft day, no doubt about that. Um, one more question for you, and then I want you to kind of dive into the sleepers and highlight the guys that, that you really wanted to focus on. Um, who do you think is the first – high school bat and high school pitcher taken in this draft? I think the first high school bat is Zach Veen. And I think that's because people who were able, like the scouts were able to go out there and see him play this year. So that, and he improved a lot from this past summer. So I think that's really one of the things that helped keep his stock rising. And he's been the clear number one, you know, as of this point, just because he's had a chance to go out and play and people were able to watch him do that and watch him play at a high level. There's a lot to like with his swing and everything. Yeah. For as far as pitchers, I think the number one pitcher is Mick Abel. I think he's got a chance to possibly be one of the best high school pitchers to come through since like Mackenzie Gore. Wow. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That'd be good to see. So you said that, um, so you said that Veen was pretty much the clear cut bad at number one. If I didn't want to make it too easy on you, who would be number two then? Two, two's Hendrick, and I think is a really close two. Gotcha. Okay, cool. I think he might have more power, and Veen probably has similar power, but a little bit, maybe a little bit more hitability. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good to know. Well, so if there's some other guys that you see going in the first round, you know, feel free to touch on them, but – but I want to hear James Weiser's favorite players from the draft now and, and maybe some guys that you're higher on that uh, you're seeing the industry not so high on. Okay, so my, one of my favorites that I got a chance to watch this year was Torkelson. And I, when I saw him, he maybe didn't have the best game that day, but you could see – and that's not always a bad thing. 
You know, sometimes when you see a guy struggle, you learn more about how they actually are when they're not at their best. You know, what can you deal with that day when they're off? Because obviously when they're on and you watch, you know, a guy like him hit home runs, you fall in love immediately. So to be able to scale back a little bit and see, oh, hey, you know, he had a pedestrian game. Maybe he went one for three with a double and a couple strikeouts. You say, well, is that a guy who's 1-1? And to me, seeing that and knowing that the next day he went out and hit a home run and he's just that type of guy where he wants it. Hey, you know what? I went one for three. Yeah, that's hitting 300, but that's not good enough. You know, I can do better. And and that's one of the things that made me fall in love with Torkelson. That, the fact that, you know, he's he broke Barry Bonds' home run record as a freshman and did an incredible feat of homering in every Pac-12 ballpark before even they started co- conference play this year. You know, they didn't even have conference play because of the season being shortened. So he did that in two only two seasons, which is incredibly hard to do. You only get one chance to play at those ballparks, you know, throughout the years. Only get one opportunity every two years to play at all those ballparks. So that was really impressive. I think that he's a super special guy. Asa, like I said, I mentioned him earlier. He's a guy I really like. And one of the guys who, to me, it's interesting to see how he's been falling. Just I looked at an ESPN mock draft, and they had him at 30. As like the last pick in the first round was Ed Howard. I, I think that that's preposterous just because – this is a year where, you know, middle infield, especially a guy who can stick at shortstop, is hot commodity. Um, to me, I think that Ed Howard does everything well across the board. He's a guy where he's willing to work hard every day, and he, he can just get so much better. You know, he's, he's had a good guy, and Alec Thomas go ahead of him and kind of, you know, help him to understand what it's all about and how to approach things. So I think he's a lot more advanced as far as knowing what to expect and what's expected of you than most guys in the draft. And he's just a guy who's been continually one of the probably best gloves at shortstop in this draft with a chance to really hit down the road. Yeah. Another guy. Yeah. Another guy that I liked, uh, Bobby Miller. He, I've got a chance to watch him pitch in high school because he's from McHenry where I'm from. And you know, he's just gotten better every single year, and he's consistently thrown in the upper 90s, touching 97 almost every pitch, 97-98. Um, he's still kind of working on the secondary stuff, but, you know, he's a lot of potential, and the biggest thing is he's gotten better, and he's had a chance to have some outings where he goes out there and he's got some, like, no-hit type of stuff. He almost threw a no-hitter against East Carolina to help them get to the College World Series last year. Yeah, some great names there. Where where is he being mocked right now? He, I kind of like to look at pitchers sometimes and and uh, or different players and put them in a box. You know, like to me, I think you know you were saying mentioned in Georgia pitching, Cole Wilcox. I think is a guy who he's comparable to. So once you start seeing where like a guy like Cole Wilcox would maybe come off the board, that's when you can maybe start seeing his name probably probably start going around there. You could start having a feel for that. I believe. Gotcha. So I shot myself in the foot here because Cole Wilcox was one guy I was going to ask you about before we before we signed off here. But I appreciate the insight there. If people if people read uh, my articles and, and listen to the podcast, they know I always highlight when a player's from Georgia. And Cole Wilcox actually went to my old high school, probably one of the the uh, only 
future major leaguers that came out of my, my old high school. So, uh, you know, I was disappointed not to see his last college season, but uh, rooting for him to go somewhere high. Maybe even land with the Braves? Uh, I don't know. That might be a big if there. All right, so I want to get to uh, to an exciting part here, uh, James. You know, every time I go back and I read about – I'm looking doing research for my first-year player draft for fantasy. You go through and you read some write-ups and things like that, and you see – Scouts considered him to have the best hit tool of any prep player, you know, going or the best fastball or best power tool or whatever. So I'm hoping you can point out maybe a couple of guys that just have some of those loud tools who really stands out to you as as maybe not uh, even if they are a well-rounded player, that's even better. But one guy or two guys that we're going to look back and say, yeah, he definitely had the best hit tool in the draft last year. I, I would think that hit tool wise. As far as college goes, you easily throw Austin Martin because he led the SEC. And Nick Gonzalez, you know, for what he's done, I, you just want to see him play against better competition. You know, the, you you trust in the bat that he has, and it's just you want to see him against better competition. But for high school hitters, a lot of people like Robert Hassel. I think Hassel's good, but, you know, this, again, there's some questions with him when it comes to the power. I think the, the the Zach Veen is a, a similar hitter, but with much more power than than uh, Hassel Hendrick. I love for power and uh, for power hitters for uh, college. It's Torkelson and a guy who I think kind of gets lost sometimes in the in the mix, even though he shouldn't. But he's kind of ranked a little bit lower than I would like to see him because I think you know with again putting guys into a box. I think one of the biggest questions is who's going to be the top left-handed hitter to go you know I think it could be Zach Veen it could be Garrett Mitchell who's super toolsy where kind of people are kind of iffy on him because he's got the diabetes but to me what he could be if everything comes together is he's a guy who's can run hit throw everything and the power I want to kind of liken to him to if the power comes he could kind of be like what J.J. Bleday was a year ago you know J.J. Bleday hit more home runs last year than he did in both his freshman and sophomore seasons combined. And Garrett Mitchell had a chance to do that this year had they have played the full season. So I think as far as power goes, you want to put in Torkelson and Heston Kersat's a guy who I'm high on, who I think has a resume because he helped Arkansas get to two college World series, that he could be one of the top left-handed bats to go. So I would put Veen, Kersad, and Mitchell all pretty close together along with Hendrick for lefty bats. Yeah, that's a great list. And I know it's not easy to put comps and we're not holding you to them, but I think that always helps, you know, guys from a fantasy perspective, because like we said, you know, to, as the disclaimer, you've got to do what you think these teams are, are, are thinking, right? So you're trying to think like them. But for me, I like hearing about the tools and, and comps and things like that. But um, what about run? We haven't really talked about any speed guys or anything like that. Is there anybody who's going to find their way up this draft board that that's already got that uh, speed and athleticism locked down? I think one guy who, when it comes to speed, who people would love to, draft but I don't know if he's going to be able to if he's going to sign or if he's going to go to college but Enrique Bradfield is probably one of the fastest guys in this year's draft if not the fastest uh, as far as guys from college that I really like that you know to me there's certain things that that I question just as far as overall hit ability if he's going to hit enough but 
A guy who has moved down a lot is Casey Martin. Casey Martin produced pretty good numbers his first two seasons there at Arkansas, and he just has high strikeout numbers, but as far as the fact that, hey, he could play shortstop or center field, and he's got the power to hit 25 home runs and the speed to steal over 25 bases makes him a hot commodity. If he's going to be able to start, he's going to have to hit more. But he's a guy that I would like to say, hey, you know, if you can sleep on him and you can get him just outside the first round or later on in the first round, like a supplemental pick, he's a guy who, if he does hit, he's going to end up being a really good pick for a team. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Casey Martin guy myself, and you'll you'll sense the trend here that I'm only really comfortable talking about the SEC guys, and that's why we have folks much smarter than me like James on the podcast to make sure we're, we're seeing the overall landscape here. Um, can we do the same for pitchers, if you don't mind? You know, who, who's got uh, – who's the big fastball guy in this class and who's the big breaking ball guy? And, heck, I like the command guys too if you got one of those. Okay, so for fastball, I think it's Luke Little. But just because he was such an – you know, 105 in that one bullpen – session but uh to me if you're looking for like true fastballs I think Ace has got the best you know as far as being able to command it and just dominate with it there's there's one at bat that he had earlier this year where he's facing Nick Gonzalez for the first time it is three straight fastballs and got him out swinging on the, on the third one Ooh, you know, so it, how impressive he is with that with a fastball um as far as Secondary pitches, I love uh, Reed Detmer's curveball, Max Meyer with his slider. If you want to, say, combine them all together and who's got the best secondary stuff, that's got to be Emerson Hancock. He's so many different things he can throw. You don't know what's coming. Um, but he, and he's just – if you can – if he can have a little bit better command, he's got a chance to, you know, be right there with Lacey, if not ahead of him, when, it, when he's on at his best. Mm-hmm. But – Due to the injuries last year and him coming back, he wasn't as quite as sharp as people maybe were expecting, but he's a guy where, yeah, there's a lot to like there. Nice. I want to give you one last chance before we, uh, before we sign off here. If there's, cause we covered a lot of information here. We threw a lot of stuff at uh, folks in a 30 minute podcast and, and that's exactly what we were aiming to do. Wanted to see if there's anybody that we might've missed that uh, are, are, listeners or readers folks who are not familiar with the draft and, and the players coming into it if anybody else that they need to know yeah there, there's actually a few names that i really liked of guys who i saw this year um drew romo switch hitting catcher who to me that guy just looks like a future gold lover got probably the best arm i've seen as a from a high school catcher and it's right on the money almost every time he's he's looks special the, the only thing that kind of holds him back is Certain people are more critical of his bat, but I think he's got the knowledge and, and he's a guy who's going to go out there and work and be a special player. Uh, Aaron Sabato for North Carolina. Not a lot of people knew about him coming in. It's kind of weird that he was a shortstop prospect as a high schooler from New Jersey and that he's a, only a first baser, maybe even he's a DH at the next level. But his bat, if he had a full season, he could have been a guy who's right up there in the top 20s as far as, you know, getting picked this year. He does what he's capable of at a high level. Um, Blaze Jordan, people maybe know, remember him from the home run high school home run derby. And he, you know, impressed with his show there. He's got a lot of power. 
people maybe are kind of down on him because Mississippi doesn't have a great track record of high school of producing high school players, but he's from the same high school as Austin Riley, and I think having a guy like Austin Riley there to kind of help him along the way is going to be huge, and it's oh, a lot of times what you put into it. So I think he got a lot of potential. He was one of the more impressive hitters at Under Armour last year. He, in fact, he just missed coming through with a hit that might have won them the game. He hit a liner right to the third baseman for the last out. But he's a very exciting young hitter who's a 17-year-old coming into this draft. Uh, even deeper sleepers, Mason Wynn is a guy I like. He, people aren't sure if he's a pitcher or a hitter. He's kind of, to me, uh, less less as far as velocity goes, but he's a guy where you could maybe see a little bit of Hunter Green in him. You know, Hunter Green could throw real hard and could play shortstop, and they weren't sh- they, they all, everybody after they'd seen a pitch was, hey, he's a pitcher. But Mason wins kind of along those same lines. Um, a guy who people are uh, kind of kind of under the radar on is David Calabrese. I really like him. People kind of compare him to a uh, Canadian Corbin Carroll. And he's a younger hit, hitter, too. He's going to be 17 on draft day. But there's a lot to like there. He's a plus runner, real good-looking bat, nice swing. Um, Markevian Hentz is a guy I like as well. He's a 17-year-old from Arkansas who just looks like he's got a, the ability to transform into a power pitcher with a lot of good stuff. So there's a couple of guys who are under the radar who I really like. Um, Victor Maderos is ranked at lower, and he was the Under Armour All-American MVP of that game. So... There's a lot to like there from him. He looks like a power pitcher that's got a chance to do some things. Uh, a guy who I think it's really hard for me to rank him, and I think it's hard for the industry to rank him, is Nick Garcia. He's a uh, pitcher from Chapman, which is a D3 school, but he's the best D3 player, and he was touching 97 with a plus slider and has you know the ability to – He's because he's relatively new to pitching. There's a lot of upside there, so – if he could continue to improve, the kind of the sky's the limit for him at this point, just because he's so new and raw. But he's obviously, you know, I think that BA had him in their top fifty or top sixty. So he's a guy to who he he could gain some, you know, volume down the road. Uh, Kevin Abel from Oregon State. The last time I think people remember watching him was game three of that College World Series that Oregon State won where he was just lights out against a really good Arkansas lineup. And he's a guy where I don't know if he's going to be – I think he might be a tougher sign because he's got a lot to prove. But he could be a really good arm to come second or third round. That's why we have folks like James on right there. You know that we dive deep into prospects and we dive deep into draft coverage right here too. These are the names that I'm looking forward to the most. I was happy to hear uh, Blaze Jordan plug there. Scott Green and I were actually uh, at that high school home run derby in Cleveland. We were actually up in the press box when Blaze was hitting and uh, you could hear the ball ringing from up there. So no doubt, a lot of power. Um, a little bit of uh, Braves ties, too. You know, like you mentioned with, with Blaze going to the same high school as Riley and, and Drew Romo. I think he's from the same uh, neck of the woods that Shea Langoliers is from, too. So, yeah, some, uh, some close ties there. Great names. You also sold me on Canadian Corbin Carroll. I wrote, I wrote that nickname down right there, and, and I'm, I'm sticking with that one, too. Well, James, this is great conversation. I appreciate it, buddy. I need to dive in here and, and, and get more familiar with some of these names, especially some of these guys outside the SEC. 
Uh, one more thing before we let you go today. Can you do me a favor and, and let us know where we can find you on Twitter, plug your work, uh, and let us know some of the things you got in the works right now? Sure. It's uh, jweiser88 on Twitter, and I'm just always continuing to try and give you guys back as much as I can. You know, it's been hard with the season being with their, without there being a minor league season, but once it starts up again, uh, I hope you guys like what I did with the prospect profile on Ed Howard. I'm looking to do some more work like that and just continue to give back because, you know, I look at it this way. I, I wouldn't be there without you, the fans and without the support from good people. And I, I just love this game and I love meeting all the people along the way. So thank you all for that. And I hope you enjoyed, you know, and, just going to keep putting more good stuff out there and keep following the draft. And I'm, like I said, I, uh, you mentioned earlier, working on a top 160, trying to do kind of a mock top 160. And that's where you start seeing, oh, who's some of the college guys who are lower down on the list that could be right up there, you know, come draft day for signability reasons. So there's just a lot of different things going on. But just appreciate the time and thank you. Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention. If you're there. Yeah, go ahead. It was now with, like we said earlier, a thousand players not being able to sign, right? You you have a lot of college seniors who this year would have gone probably, let's say, 10th, 12th, 15th round, right? So now that they can, now that they're not able to go and sign, they can only sign for $25,000. That's going to be a factor to see, hmm, do they say, well, we signed for this for this amount and we can sign with whoever we want to. So now you might have it where what are we going to have after the draft? Are we going to have like a top 20 or top 30 high or college senior signs potentially? You know, I'd love to see a list like that or work on something like that and see, oh, who's going where? Because I think there's a lot of good value in the, those type of seniors. Because I don't think that they're going to gain anything by going back for one more year and use, losing a year age-wise. You know, they come back and people are looking at them as fifth-year seniors. So I think that that's going to be a factor as well that I was like, oh, yeah, there's one last thing I wanted to mention. It was that. So, yeah. yeah. So, some bonus content here. And this might be a very silly question, James. Is this the toughest draft you've ever had to rank? You've been doing this a while. It's it's definitely the toughest one to predict because anything and everything can and, and probably will happen, you know, just because who knows what the future holds with everything. And there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes out over the next few weeks with the MLB and Players Union and how everything's going that in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So a little bit of, of, of bonus nugget there for you guys on MLB draft coverage touched on prospects, touch on the uniqueness of the draft. Great information from James at jweiser88 on Twitter. James, thanks so much for the time. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back with you on the other side of the break to wrap up episode 15 of Futures Focus. Thank you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome back to episode 15 of Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast. Some outstanding conversation with James Weiser there, our MLB draft expert over at Prospects1500.com. Really looking forward to this year's draft. Uh, hopefully we got some positive things to talk about uh, coming out of it and folks focus on uh, on the good and, and some of these young players are going to be getting their opportunity here soon. Uh, before we wrap things up, you know, I'm flying solo here today, so I just wanted to plug some of the recent work over at Prospects1500.com. Jared Chapman, who hosted that huge Chappies Prospect Challenge, uh, where he's been recapping with some write-ups from writers who participated in that draft, 800 total prospects taken. None of them could have any Major League Service time. Uh, he just published the, the final piece to that write-up the other day at the site. So uh, you'll see that right at the top of the homepage right now. Um, some other great team-focused things coming up, some uh, Twins articles and Rockies articles, things of that nature out there on the site. Also, I want you guys to scroll through the tiles on the homepage there and notice we have some uh, great additions to the writing team over at the site as well. So go check out their profiles and get an idea of uh, some of the content they're going to contribute. You guys know I can't get out of here without a little bit of baseball card talk. I want to get Scott on the podcast. I just had to throw out that he sold a pretty sweet Mike Trout card today uh, that I imagine fetched a pretty penny. Um, and then also just wanted to, uh, you know, PSA from at Barry's underscore baseball perspective. Don't go too crazy over Bowman, guys. I know we say this every year, but uh, you'll be able to get some of those cards at a little bit of a cheaper price after we come down the uh, peak here. So. Um, I'm hanging off on my Jaseel De La Cruz cards right now because I'm not going to pay that much for one of his autographs when I know in a couple months it'll be at a more reasonable price. All right, rant over. You guys go check out prospects1500.com. Hope you enjoyed MLB Draft Talk with Jared Weiser, and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys on Episode 16 of Futures Focus, Prospects 1500 Podcast.